Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. And happy U.S. Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. We know uh, there are a number of you who listen to The Chris Johnston Show. We hope you enjoy uh, today. We hope you enjoy your weekend. Uh, It's Thursday for us here in Canada, but that doesn't mean uh, we're not going to watch football. I know uh, at least one of us, uh, one of their teams is playing today. Location to be determined as to where they'll be watching their team play. But uh, CJ, I bet you're excited about the Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving. I am. And I must say, this has become over the years something I always basically don't work on U.S. Thanksgiving and, and get together with some friends and watch the Cowboys play. You know, sometimes it's a happier Thanksgiving than others, given results and all those things. But uh, heading up to Pierre Lebrun's place to watch the game today, which is, you know, been a normal Normal thing. He's a fellow Cowboys fan and often uh, in these most recent years has a group up to his uh, abode and, you know, yell at the TV and have some fun with my buddies. Send my regards to my uh, co-worker, Pierre Lebrun. Uh, I, I don't know why you choose the life of being a Dallas Cowboys fan when you guys will go through the same misery at the end of the year as you've done for the last 20 something odd years. But I'm a Jets fan. I have no soul and I have I can't really say anything. Right. Yeah. You, you've, got no, you've got nothing to stand on. You know, it's funny. Nope. It's a, it's a mixed network event. Cause I, David Amber texts me this morning and he's going too. So this isn't just a, a TSN thing. It, the, the, we can all coexist in the same happy universe as friends. Shout out David Amber, Syracuse alum. Uh, look, nothing wrong about David Amber here. He's, he's that dude, but that's really cool to see that uh, TSN and sports that people can actually get along, you know, and it's not this big, you know, uh, like, like kind of like an anchor man. Remember that scene in anchor man, yeah, yeah. all the different out, like, news New, outlets come out. Get each the other, news teams get together. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you one of my favorite road memories, Julian was, uh, the, the Stanley cup final Vegas in Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a dinner with like the TSN and Sportsnet groups together. At that time I was on the other side of the table working for Sportsnet of course, but it was one of my really fun nights on the road. Like just, I mean, it almost, obviously we all are kind of friends and certainly friendly for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But to all get together that way. And we actually did the credit card game at the end uh, where, where, you know, you got picked and it went down to, I believe the last two were David Ember and Bob McKenzie uh, were the last two cards in the hat and, and, and uncle Bob got stuck <laughs> with the bill. So um, thanks for that. He bought lots of wine that night, uh, did Bob McKenzie, but that was a, a fun event. And uh, I hope at some point in the future when we're all traveling and back at big events, we can do something like it again. 
I am not playing in that credit card game because uh, I am not paying for all of your shots. There was no shots. It wasn't like a big party night, but it, it would like, it was probably a $3,000 bill is my guess. Like it, it would have been enough that I wouldn't want anything to do with it. Like I was happy to have my card pulled out. I would have been nervous. I'm not doing any of that. Uh, speaking of uncle Bob, uh, us Thanksgiving, he has the barometer set where, uh, you know, He's the one who kind of made the rule, by the way, no relation. He's the one who kind of made that little kind of unofficial rule where if your team isn't really in a playoff spot by U.S. Thanksgiving, uh, it's probably not looking good for your chances at uh, making it to the Stanley Cup playoffs in actuality. We're going to do something a little bit fun based off of that a little later on in our show. Uh, We do have to get to at least one news and note, I guess. Uh, CJ, you have something on the Vancouver Canucks, perhaps. They're still kind of spiraling a little bit. Things aren't necessarily going all that great for the Vancouver Canucks. I know we touched up on it on previous episodes, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they've got anything planned going for you know Jim Benning or Travis Green or anything like that. Like, what could they even really do with what they've got going on right now? What are they going to do? Well, I mean, they could obviously fire one or both of those guys. You know, I think that it's pretty clear they're headed towards change. You know, what, what's interesting about this situation is there's a lot of confusion around it, right? I mean, we've heard speculation about trades, uh, maybe involving, say, a JT Miller. Obviously, Travis Green and, and Jim Benning's futures have been uh, highly speculated upon and wondered about. You know, I thought Patrick Johnston, also no relation, uh, works for the Vancouver paper out there. An interesting note in his column where he's, he reported that the Aquilini brothers themselves, who own the team, are, are split on, on how they view things going forward. And so, you know, if you don't have a clear plan from the top formulated, I think that might explain maybe why some of um, the things that are swirling are swirling. And, you know, I, I really don't know where it goes. I don't think that they know where it goes. And, but, you know, their, their season is spiraling into chaos. I, I almost feel like any moves made at this point wouldn't really be designed just to, I mean, obviously you hope to play better and win, give your fans something to get excited about, sell tickets, all those things. But I, I don't think a decision would be about you know, this season, I, you know, it's probably something that's more about, um, you know, making better changes. So you don't find yourself in this spot, but you know, what a, what an awful turn it's been for the organization when they, they thought they had a summer of encouragement. And now here they are just losing all these, these rumors, the the uncertainty. And, you know, I do think at some point your change is going to come. If you were a player and I know you played hockey once upon a time and you're actually pretty good, but if you were an NHL player right now, I wasn't that good. <laughs> Let, let's okay. set the record straight on that. I mean, you, you were good enough. Anyway, we don't have to go into that just yet. Um, I just don't which, want to put myself on any par with the players we're talking about or anything. Yeah, I, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't threaten to make the NHL or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. It just, you know, we'll, fine. We'll let you get that. In. But let's say uh, you had to choose between playing for the Montreal Canadiens or the Vancouver Canucks as they are right now. Which locker room, if you had to pick, which one would you rather be in? Probably Montreal. Um, mm, you know, I, I find, you know, I think that their season's a little less disappointing. I'm not saying it. I think that they're built maybe to withstand this a little better and still have some players coming. And obviously there's, there's still uncertainty there. Um, but even like Carey Price being out to start the year, like I think that there's sort of more contributing factors maybe to why they've ended up as they, you know, far down the standings as they are. 
but look, like nowhere would be, I mean, both are intense media markets with passionate fan bases, you know, both did expect better this year. And, and it already appears a quarter of the way through the season here that essentially the season's lost in terms of, you know, trying to compete for a playoff spot and all those things. You know, I, I would tend to think that Montreal, that the heat might be just a little bit down. They seem to have a cohesive locker room. I saw they, they fought to get fix you put back. Uh, uh, it's part of their intro song there at, at the bell center. So, you know, I, I can't imagine either is a happy place right now, but it might be just a little bit happier uh, around the Canadians these days. Okay. All right. That's an interesting just way a of little looking bit. at it. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. And yeah, like they apparently they did what they did to get fix you back. I, I for one was shocked when I heard the song playing, I think when they were last at the bell center over the weekend, Joel Edmondson, apparently the ringleader of uh, the, uh, I think he spoke to someone on the Canadians PR staff and then they eventually got the song back. So yeah, they found ways to, to make it that work. intro. I'm, I, I think if it's not broke, don't fix it, you know? And so I love that. The, I love the players did that. Honestly, I know it's kind of a goofy little storyline or whatever. And in, in the big scheme of things, it doesn't mean that much, but you know, it is kind of part of what you associate with being at those games and watching the Canadians come out and all that. That's true. I look, I was somebody who was like, okay, you know what? I don't need to hear fix you whenever I come in. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. The players at the end of the day, if that's what they like, I can respect that at least. I can respect well, you're that. going to 30 games or whatever year. So I, yeah. you know, I'm coming for two. So I, 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 I don't <laughs> mind. I don't mind hearing it in the limited basis that I hear it. That's fair. Um, before we get to uh, our segment contenders and pretenders, I want to get your opinion on some of the jerseys that have come out here. Um, are you familiar with the uh, the game we like to call a uh, kill fuck Mary? You know, I'm that? familiar with it. Yes. Okay. I don't I'm know where do you're taking like, me though, right here. Okay. So maybe is this we'll like another conversation about edibles or something I'm going to be hearing about no. for the next month or what? No. Okay. We'll try to find a way to uh, change fuck to something else, but um, let's, let's see if we could put all three of these newfound jerseys. And I don't know if we could put like a graphic of all three of them at different points up here, uh, but we'll find a way to make it work. But uh, we all know about the fact that New Jersey devils released their alternate Jersey this week. Uh, Team Canada released release their uh, Olympic jerseys and uh, team USA's uh, they also released their own as well. Um, I just wanted to know here if you had to pick, but you know what, instead of kill fuck Mary, just order them from like worst to like not as bad in terms of set jerseys here. Like yeah. which one would you actually like, if you had to pick between wearing a set of them, like which one would you wear? So like the devil's alternate one, uh, we'll throw out the uh, the red and the black Canada jerseys because the white one's actually good. But the red and black ones, I don't think, look as good. And then the American jerseys, which just look kind of meh. I don't. Well, I would kill the American jerseys, and that's not a comment on nationalism. That's not because I'm a Canadian or anything like that. I just, I really, yeah. they they like do nothing for me. Like I, I just find them very uninspired. Uh, I, I've loved some previous versions actually of what USA Hockey's worn in Olympic tournaments, but that one didn't hit with me. I should say too, like, it's really, I've noticed it's pretty popular these last few days. Everyone's hating on all the jerseys and stuff like that. And I, and I do completely get it. Um, but I have to say like, you know, it's not easy. I'm sure to create these things. So I'm putting that disclaimer on it, but yeah, kill the U S Jersey. Instead of fuck, you could say like hook up or something. Hook up with the devil's Jersey. Um, because I don't, like, okay, it's not the greatest jersey I've ever seen. I don't really buy jerseys anyway, so I'm not the, the design. I'm not the, I'm not the target market here. But I, I would say that 
I didn't dislike that one nearly as much as the internet seemed to. And and in fact, I got, I got a kick out of like, even them putting the hat up on their, their Twitter account, like way to own it devils. And, you know, obviously the RSDPN guys uh, jumped on and, and Jesse Blake made some, some awesome clothes. Like, I, I like, of course to, to me, it's fun. And like, and I do think it's kind of, it's not, you know, look at it. it's a little bit uninspired, but you got to put out a lot of jerseys. It's like they're not all going to be bangers. And I actually don't mind the Team Canada jerseys. So that's that's who I'm marrying. That's that's who I'm spending the rest of my days with is one of those Team Canada 2022 <laughs> Beijing jerseys because I don't even hate the red and the black that everyone else does. Like I kind of get it. I would prefer a red or white jersey for Team Canada. It makes sense. There's two colors on the flag. Like I understand it, but we're also, you know, there, there's an old school one in, in hockey Canada has redone it. That's like a gold team Canada Jersey. Like you have to, you have to play with the color palette a little bit. And so, yes, it looks a little bit like a marijuana leaf or a Turkey's butthole as someone else <laughs> might've been putting that out there. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind this evolution in the cycle. And, and that's, that's who I'm marrying is that team Canada sweater. I just there's something about the red and the black. I'm like, I like black jerseys. I was doing a uh, zone time one. Yeah. I was earlier this week. And my friend Avery Lewis McDougal was saying that uh, he doesn't, he thinks the whole black Jersey thing is played out. And like, I, I liked them. I just, the, the Canada black jerseys just, it didn't hit. I think it's just the way the Leafs is colored. Like I'm cool with the leaf being like red all the way or white or whatever, like, or I guess more red, but like black, I'm just like, it doesn't, it doesn't really hit for me. And the red and the black just, just is a weird mix for me. I should say it's just the way the red and the black look for me. It doesn't, it could have been better and it just doesn't look good. The white and the red though. I think that actually looks like objectively like a good Jersey. And I hope Canada throughout the tournament wears that for the majority of it. And the devil's one I'm with oh, you. We're I all don't three, think it's nearly as bad. They'll wear all yeah, I mean, three. Yes. I mean, of course they'll wear all three, but like, I hope they wear the white one more. The devil's one. I'll say that um, I am with you. I don't think it's nearly as bad as some people think. And I think if you make a few changes here and there, it could actually look like a decent Jersey. I think when you put Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, Kale McCarr, when you get like the real players in those jerseys and you're watching a best on best game at the Olympics, like I, I think the hate will be dialed back. And and I also bet people will be ordering them online when it comes to that day too. Oh, for sure. Andrew Mangiapane, maybe Zach Hyman, maybe. Yeah, yeah we'll uh, see. I don't, I don't know how many of those longer shots will get there. You know, John Tavares has played himself back to that spot. He's, he's been really good lately. And, you know, I kind of had him, even Steven Stamkos kind of as bubble players, like obviously, these are guys that have been number one overall picks. They've been part of Hockey Canada's program, but you know, just because the the this new wave of talent coming in, I wondered if they'd get there. And and you know, John Tavares, as we almost get here to the start of December, only about a month from picking the team, I think has put himself in good spot to to be on that team. Steven Stamkos, I just hope for his sake because of the fact that he's gone through injuries before the Olympics. Uh, we all know what happened in 2018 when NHL players could not go to the Olympics. This is a guy who's been one of the best players in my lifetime, and it is criminal. He has, he has yet to suit up for Team Canada at the Olympics. I just hope he makes it just so he has that opportunity to compete. Well, that's why I actually link Stamkos and Tavares together because they're the first overall pick from 2008 and 2009, Stamkos 08, Tavares 09. So they were mm-hmm. a little too young in 2010. They didn't make that team in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You know, they both would have made the Sochi team or did make the Sochi team. Stamkos had that unfortunate injury where he smashed into the post and broke his leg, was un- unable to go. Tavares goes to Sochi, blows out his knee before the medal round. So he didn't get to play in the important games there. And so I kind of feel like, and then miss out on 2018 for the reasons you mentioned, Pyeongchang didn't include NHL players. So 
you know, I feel like both for kind of poetic reasons deserve a chance to, to truly get a best on best tournament. I mean, they, they were both part of the 2016 world cup in Toronto, just not quite the same as the Olympics. I, I enjoyed that tournament. It, there was some, some fun aspects to it. Certainly covering it was great, but you know, I, I think it would be somewhat fitting to see those guys like play a gold medal game after all they've been through in their careers. And, and, you know, let's face it, I think they'll probably both still be NHL players in 2026, but you know, I don't think they'll be in this kind of conversation necessarily. So this is, this is, they have to approach this. Like this is their last shot at it. And both of them are putting up points early in the year and have given uh, Doug Armstrong and his staff something to think about. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rooting right now for both those players. Even you've convinced me on John Tavares. I forgot about the fact he blew out his knee uh, to make uh, team Canada. Are you ready for contenders and pretenders? Yes. How segment- many fan bases can we anger right now? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try not to anger too many of them. Basically here's how I tried to, you know, this is the idea I kind of have. So I'm going to go through every team that is in a playoff position right now. So teams that are in the top three in each of their respective divisions and the two wildcard teams in each conference. And you're essentially just going to tell me if they look like a team that could be a contender. So that doesn't necessarily mean outright Stanley cup winner, just a team that can actually hold on to where they're at in the playoffs in the playoff picture and actually maybe even go far in the playoffs. And you can tell me if a team is a pretender where maybe they are probably just a team that's going to go out in the first round or a team that might not even hold on to their spot at all. They just look like fakers. So uh, yeah, you can give me uh, answers for each of the teams I bring up. How does that sound? I love it. Let's get at it. Let's do it. Uh, Let's start in the Metro division. Uh, The Carolina Hurricanes, atop that division, one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. Contender or pretender? Stone cold contender. I think one one of the better teams in the league. I've heard from multiple people that work, you know, like work for different teams. I've mentioned that Carolina is the best team their coaching staff have felt they've they've faced this season. Um, You know, obviously strung together a lot of wins early in the year. I think the fact that they have a group that's played some playoff rounds the last few seasons will help them. And so for me, they're a legitimate team that I could see lifting the cup come July. Okay. What about the team in a team in second place behind them in the division uh, the Washington capitals contender or pretender for me, they're a pretender. Um, I don't look, I, I just think that time has passed them by a little bit. I, that's not to say I think that they're a poor team or anything like that. Wouldn't surprise me in the least to see them make the playoffs. They always seem to. But, you know, I just don't see them as the threat they were, you know, for a good decade there to, to, to win a Stanley Cup. And so, you know, if they were the ones to go on and win, I'd be very, very surprised. And that's why I'm labeling them a pretender. What about the New York Rangers, third place in the Metropolitan Division? Pretender. I, I don't think they're ready yet. You know, they, they've got some some nice young players there. Adam Fox is having a great year after winning the Norris Trophy again. You know, I love Igor Shosturkin, their goaltender. You know, you, you start to see the pieces um, of a team that, that can be competitive. Obviously, Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, you know, they, they've got good players. Um but I, I just don't see them as a team that's winning four playoff rounds. Um, you know, they, they gotta, they gotta walk before they can run, I suppose. And, and I see them more walking right now rather than being a team that's sprinting uh, through four playoff rounds. Don't mind me. I'm going to start to write some of these down. I'm going to move over to the Atlantic division. We're going to start off with the team atop that division and atop the national hockey league in the Florida Panthers contender or pretender contender. You know, they gave Tampa a real run last year. Uh, in in the the playoffs, you know they've they've started this season great. 
their underlying metrics are really strong. They, they control the puck. Uh, they're getting good goaltending from two goaltenders. You know, that's one thing that's hurt them a little bit is, is, you know, Bobrovsky hasn't maybe been in the first couple seasons exactly what they expected, but I think that's right in itself. I just see them being a deep team. Um, you know, I'm not putting them at the, t- if, if we were subdividing these contenders into second, like into tiers, I probably have them in the second tier of contenders. Like I'm not saying they're one of the four favorite teams to win the cup, but you know, they're, they definitely can think that way, dream that way. You know, to me, they, you know, if everything goes their way, I, I could see them going on that kind of run. Not too far behind them, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, are they contenders or are they pretenders? Controversial pick, but I'm going with contender. And, you know, being in the playoffs the last five years, obviously having won a playoff round, that criticism or that observation or that fact is is totally valid. But, you know, I just think we've seen a lot of teams that eventually do break through and, and get something together. And, and I would, again, have the Leafs in the second tier of the contenders list. Um, but I could see things going their way. You know, if you look at their, they're right at the top of the league and expected goals, uh, Corsi, uh, they have dangerous shooters. Jack Campbell's been, been awesome to start this year and their, their specialty teams have, have been good on both sides of it. So, you know, I, I think that they have the, the sort of recipe there where I could see it coming together for them, but you know, they've got to, they've got to get the, the, the giant uh, monster out of the closet first. And that's, you know, themselves, you know, the, the demons under their beds, under their cars, you know, Paul McLean had a famous line uh, in that Amazon series that went last year uh, that they've, they've got to get past themselves and then get past four teams, but I could see them doing it. You, you didn't swear as like, like what you did last time. You said that quote, <laughs> I'm trying to trying to keep this as a family show, even though we already did Mary fuck kill. So <laughs> <laughs> try to make it Mary hook up kill. Um, yes. How about the Tampa Bay lightning? Oh, contender. You know, I, they're a team. I don't care what we see from them in the regular season. I'm going to have them in a contender spot until other proven otherwise. I mean, to, to have won the Stanley cup in back-to-back years, obviously they've lost their entire third line from those two cup winning teams. They've lost Nikita Kucherov for an extended period of an injury. Now they've lost Braden point and they're still winning games this week. Like I think that they just have an understanding of knowing what it takes. They have probably the best goaltender in the world and Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, and they got a bunch of gamers as John Cooper likes to call his players. So, you know, I, I don't think it matters for them where they finish as long as they get into a playoff series come round one and they're an absolute top level contender as hard as it is to win three in a row. I'm not betting against them. The uh, two wildcard teams. Uh, let's start with the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're a pretender, but they're one of the early season surprises in a good way in, in the league. You know, like last year was a total loss season for Columbus. You know, they ended up trading Seth Jones, um, you know, do, making some other big moves, you know, they, they did Dubois for line a trade midway through last year. But, you know, remember, this was a team that that under John Tortorella was always difficult to play against. You know, they beat the Leafs in 2020 in the in the bubble. They, they won a playoff series a year before that, uh, before coming up against Boston. And so, you know, they, they've they've been a good organization. I think they took a small step back last year, but, um, you know, they're, they're producing offense now. And I think that that's maybe the most surprising thing because they don't really have a superstar player, especially with line a, you know, out injured right now as we're recording this. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I I think that they're, they punch above their weight class kudos to them, but you know, I'm not saying they can win the Stanley cup just yet. And the Pittsburgh penguins. Pretender, you know, I, as much as I, I want to get wrapped up in the storylines, they, they remind me a bit of Washington, right? Like these were two great franchises for a long time. There's a reason why they're still hanging on to that greatness. They have some great players. You know, I think, you know, 
they, they did build a certain culture there where they're able to have some of lesser names come in and play a way that, that brings success. But, you know, ultimately I don't see them being teams that could knock off, you know, the, the top tier contenders, you know, in, in a playoff series. By the way, uh, just after the Pittsburgh Penguins, there are four teams that are within no more than two points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins and Columbus Blue Jackets tied for those two wildcard spots. The Red Wings, the Bruins, the Devils, and the Flyers all within uh, no more than two points of the two wildcard spots. So even if they're not in those positions of wildcard spots, I'd, I'd argue that being within two points is still pretty good for their chances. Yeah, I, I think they're all pretenders, though. <clears throat> and probably the most surprising one out of that list, of course, is Boston uh, because they've played a Stanley Cup final in 2019, Game 7. They've, they've, they've you know had a ton of success under Bruce Cassidy. Um, but it just, just seems like something's a little off there. I mean, they've had a... In fairness to them, they've had a weird start to the year where they at one point have played the fewest games through, you know, a month of the season or what have you. They, you know, they're a team that relies on two goaltenders that they have weren't able to get two goaltenders going that way. Like, you know, I think that there's some mitigating factors where they're going to perform better. And I certainly see them making the playoffs uh, still this season uh, after a bit of a slow start. But, you know, I, I don't they're a hard one to, to sort of bet against or to say they can't win because I do think they they just have. They have that je ne sais quoi, Julian, uh, of knowing how to play and how to perform in a playoff series, how to, to to tilt the odds slightly in their favor by not making mistakes, not beating themselves, those type of things. But, you know, it would be a great way for Patrice Bergeron and what could be his last season. Uh, you know, it's kind of gone under the radar, but he's an unrestricted free agent. And, and I'm not sure that he'll be back. It's not that he can't be back, but, you know, maybe depending what he sees from his team and whether he thinks they have a chance to win could dictate that. Um, but, you know, as of right now, I got them in the pretender category. And that maybe the biggest surprise of them all we didn't get to is the New York Islanders are at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. So we're not even debating whether they're contenders or pretenders. And they were in back-to-back Eastern Conference finals. That is really nuts. Uh, let's go over to the Western Conference. Uh, the team atop the Central Division, the Minnesota Wild. Contender or pretender? Ooh. I'm giving them a bottom level contender and, you know, look, the wild don't get a ton of national love, but they've slowly been building something like they were really good last year. Now it's limited. You're only playing your same division. You know, that was all the talk about, you know, Kiro Kaprizov's contract. You know, you're paying this guy what he's only played X amount of games all against seven teams. Um, But, you know, I I don't you, you can tell I don't believe it with my heart that they're a contender. But I do think that they're a team on the rise. I think that they're a team that could surprise. I could see them winning playoff round or rounds, plural. Um, and so I'm going to give them like small C contender status, but but not with a ton of conviction. Okay. Uh, what about the St. Louis Blues? They're a contender for me. You know, they're one of those teams that aren't going to wow you. Like, I don't think they're going to push for the president's trophy here. Um, you know, but they, they know how to get it done. And they're, they're just kind of a veteran group that I don't think any team would really want to face in a best of seven. You know, like, again, it doesn't matter if they end up starting round one on the road. It doesn't matter that the team they might be playing had 110 points or whatever it is in the season. Like, I think when when you sort of take away the what the regular season results were and you're going up against Ryan O'Reilly uh, and the blue line the Blues have, even Jordan Binnington, right? I mean, Jordan Binnington has had some ups and downs, but, you know, when he gets hot, as he did during the the year they won the Stanley cup in 2019, like that's, that's a tough guy to go through. And so, um, you know, they, they won't be favored anywhere, but I, I 
if, if everything lines up for them, if they stay healthy, I, I could see them going on another long playoff run. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving them the P status. I'm putting that C on the blues. Okay. And what about the Winnipeg jets? Contender. Um, you know, the jets, the one thing that I've noticed about the jets is, you know, they relied so heavily on Connor Hellebuck in the past. And, you know, they were really, frankly, a poor defensive team last year. Now they're not, the best defensive team in the league by any stretch now, but they've made noticeable improvements in, in their metrics, like expected goals, um, you know, shot attempts against like they're controlling the puck more. I think they're relying a little bit less on Hellebuck and the beauty is they still have Hellebuck and they have a group of forwards that can get the job done. And so, you know, I see that that central division is being a little bit open. Uh, it's not because there's bad teams. There's a bunch of Good teams, maybe, you know, we'll see what Colorado has in store for us. Maybe not a great team. I mean, Colorado's had a lot of things that have gone, I guess, wrong or, or been challenges for them in the first quarter of the season. Um, but I, I could see a team like Winnipeg coming out of that. I mean, again, a lot has to go right, but I'm, I'm putting the contender status on them. Uh, we'll get to Colorado in a moment, but uh, we'll because I'm going to try to do top three in each division and then get to the wildcard teams. Uh, we'll go to the Pacific first. Uh, we'll start off with the team that is atop that division, the Calgary Flames. Contender. And, you know, the reason I say that is because to me, this is a team built for playoff success. Like they check hard. They control the puck. They keep you out of their end. They got, you know, big defensemen, but they have guys with mobile back there can move it up. And they got enough players to get the scoring done. Like it's not always going to be pretty. They're, they're going to grind out 2-1 and 3-1 or 3-2 type of games. But generally, that's how the playoffs go, right? And so I think there's actually a great debate to be had between Calgary and Edmonton. Like, which team would you truly rather have, you know, if your life depended on it and only, you know, you can only pick one of those teams that have to win the Stanley Cup to save your life. Like, who would you pick? Like, as much as Edmonton offers us this beautiful two-headed superstar scoring monster in McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, they do get a lot of, it's not a criticism, but it's just, it's just fact that they get a lot of their work done on the power play. And as we saw last year in a playoff series, Connor McDavid won an entire playoff series without having a penalty called against him. And so, you know, the power plays do tend to go away. It's a little less sustainable in the playoffs. I don't like Edmonton's team top to bottom as much as I like Calgary's. I like the top a lot. <laughs> I, I can't poke one hole in the top. And, and those top guys might just go bananas one spring and, and almost do it themselves. But, you know, I, I think Calgary, they got some secret sauce there. Like they, they're, they're playing the right way and they're just, they're hard to play against no matter which of their four lines you're out there for, you know, Jacob Markstrom has been great in their goal. And so I, I just don't see a lot of holes in the flames. Yeah. They don't have the high, high end offensive game breakers, but I think you can win a cup without that. I mean, we've seen St. Louis do it, for example, you know, even Boston, you know, a team that's been really competitive for a long time. I mean, Brad Marchand is probably a high end game breaker offensively, but you know, really they're not doing it with hundred point players. They, they, they have a certain way of playing and they have, you know, a way of winning games. And, and I think Calgary's really hit on something this year. I'm with you with the Calgary Flames, man. And, and in the Battle of Alberta playoff series, like as fun as the Oilers can look and as talented as they are, we, I've seen this so many times before where a team that looks like the Calgary Flames. I mean, Daryl Sutter's been through it with the LA Kings. Those grinding, wearing out teams were able to check and able to defend. They're the ones who end up at as the last team standing when it's all said and done. And in a series against the Edmonton Oilers, unless I mean, not to not to shift on the Oilers here because they do have secondary scoring options, and I think they'd be able to kind of hold their own a bit too. It could go seven games, but 
I think the flames might actually have that edge. So I'm with you on the Calgary flames here, as much as I hate to admit it, because I would love to see the Edmonton Oilers one up the Calgary flames and actually make that run. And speaking of which, uh, I guess to that point, uh, what do you think about the Edmonton Oilers? I'm calling them a pretender, but wow. I got to be clear about this. Cause this isn't like, sure. this isn't a John Tortorella esque rant or anything. I just have serious questions about their blue line. I have serious questions about their goaltending. I know a quarter of the way into the season, both have held up well enough for them to have lots of points in the bank. Um, you know, I just don't know if McDavid and dry can outscore the team's problems come a playoff series. Now, that being said, I do think Ken Holland will be extremely active before the, the trade deadline, March 21st. I think that there are some moves he can make to address those concerns. And as I previously mentioned, maybe those two guys can win a cup on their own. Um, but until I see a little bit more, I'm not calling them a contender. I just don't know that they're built to go on a four round playoff run right now. Wow. Okay. I think that might be our first surprise of this exercise. How well, about it's been a couple? I mean, it's just that I mean, that's a Canadian a fan base. So someone's going to not like it, but I mean, it's, it's just the truth. I just don't, I haven't seen it yet. I want to believe it. I really actually do. Honestly, like, Me I, too. you know, I want superstar players to be playing those games, right? Like that's, if we're talking about selling the game and all that, like having Connor McDavid or dry saddle score, one of those goals in a cup final or a third round, you know, like that's, that's where the legend stuff gets made. But I, I just, I have some concerns about their tendency to get trapped in their own zone and and what might happen with their goaltending that could derail them on the way to, to, to that kind of greatness. What about the Vegas golden Knights? Pretender this season, you know, they just have too much going against them. Uh, I know we could dream up or cook up the scenario where Jack Eichel comes back and he's a world beater and, you know, they get healthy and, and everyone's back in the lineup. Um, you know, it's, it's probably not fair. Like, let me amend that small C contender. They've, they've, they've won so many playoff series, Julian, when I, when I, you know, I don't feel like this is their year. Like I feel like a lot has gone against them, but then I could see them pushing through that being stronger for it. And then they already have this like great foundation of experience and I think understanding of what they need to do. And certainly if, you know, what's hurt them in the playoffs the last couple of years, like in the Edmonton bubble and even last year is they just didn't score enough when it mattered. And, you know, I think that that is somewhat rectified by the moves they made with their team. And so I'm going to give them the small C contender rather than the, the, the pretender. So we go to the wildcard teams and uh, I realize there are three teams tied for that second wildcard. So I guess we'll go through each of them, uh, but we'll go to the one that has two points more than those three teams. And that's the Anaheim ducks. Pretender team on the rise, you know, great young players. I know we've talked about Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, Jamie Drysdale on their blue line. Like I, I like, I like where they're headed. I think that they've been one of the, the good pleasant surprises of the, the early part of the season, but you know, they're not, they're not scaring you in a playoff series just yet. How about the Colorado avalanche, a team that has three games in hand on the two other teams they're tied with for that second wildcard spot. They're 100% a contender. You know, they were the Stanley cup favorite entering the season. I think in most books, I know it hasn't gone well. They dealt with a COVID issue. They've had McKinnon out, you know, they've, they've missed players, significant players to injury, and they're still pretty darn good. And like when they're at their best, they're really good. 
Um, Kale McCarr, just an absolute stud. Like I think his coming out party, so to speak, I mean, everyone knows people know his name, but when they get to watch him play in Beijing for team Canada, I think it's going to be a big moment for him. Uh, Nazem Kadri is having a great year in a contract year. I, I, you know, McKinnon will be there when it matters. I, I, I think that this is still, it's not a, there's no perfect teams in the league anymore, but this, this is the probably scariest team when fully healthy on paper in the league for me. So you know, and again, they've played playoff series. I think the hunger is there. Like there's legendary stories about Nathan McKinnon's summer, like his workouts, just like how driven this guy is. I, I feel like it's their time, even though it's been a, a strange start to the year. And, and, you know, they're kind of in the middle of the pack versus where we expect them to be. How many of those stories with Nathan McKinnon involve them eating an In-N-Out burger? Not very many. You know, oh, yeah. he spends a yeah. chunk of his summer in Toronto. So I just, I've heard about like these six days a week, crazy workouts he's doing. And I mean, this guy's fanatical. Like that's, that's what it takes to be at the top of your profession, right? It's, that's what it takes to be at the top of this profession where it's all highly motivated uh, individuals with good genes and all those types of things. I mean, yeah. he's, he's looking for that extra 1%. And, and, you know, I, I just think again, not the ideal start from a personal standpoint for him, the way this year has gone, but you know, I think he'll be there when it matters. The San Jose Sharks. They're a pretender. Um, you know, much like Anaheim, I, I, I think good for them for the start to the year they've had. They've reversed some troubling, you know, trends the last couple of years. You know, they're introducing young players to their lineup and still having success. You know, they're doing a good job of keeping the puck out of the net. You know, James Reimer has been a nice addition there. They've, they've switched up their goaltending, which I think has helped. And I can see a path to where they get back to being a good team. I just, I don't think they're a great team at this stage. And so they get the, the, the big P on that one. And the last one of the Nashville predators. Pretender, you know, I, I want to believe in Nashville. I love going to Nashville. It's really one of the fun hockey markets in the league and they've had a sustained run of success. Uh, they, they turned some things over. I mean, Matt Duchesne's having, for me, he, my biggest surprise of the quarter season or the biggest turnaround is Matt Duchesne, uh, who's, you know, scoring at a point a game after, you know, the first two years in Nashville since he's getting his big contract was basically half a point a game. Um, you know, there, there's a good things happening for the Predators, but I don't think there's enough great things to to say that they're going to threaten a Colorado or, or a Vegas or one of those teams that, you know, I could legitimately see winning the cup out of the West. So just to recap all the lists of uh, the list of contenders and pretenders you have as these contending teams. So teams that aren't necessarily, I mean, they could be going to the Stanley Cup final, but you see them at least winning a playoff series or two, the Carolina hurricanes, the Florida Panthers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay lightning, Minnesota wild, St. Louis blues, Winnipeg jets, Calgary flames, Vegas golden Knights, and the Colorado avalanche and pretenders Washington Capitals, New York Rangers, Columbus Blue Jackets, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Edmonton Oilers, the Anaheim Ducks, San Jose Sharks, and the Nashville Predators. I so like this ten, exercise. Ten contenders. I don't know if that's too much. Like we didn't do this ahead of time. We didn't. We didn't game plan this, so I don't know if that is a little too much. But let's remember, it's a quarter of the season too. Like maybe mm-hmm. we'll revisit this halfway through, and I'll be a little bit more exacting. But you know, you're trying to be fair to everyone, and you're also trying not to jump to too many conclusions um, because. You know, things can change as much as this Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving is sort of this unofficial benchmark for teams. You know, this year we have COVID as a factor, right? Like some teams are going to still run into this, I believe. I hope not, but looks like that's going to happen. We have an Olympic break. We don't know how that might impact, you know, players getting injured over there, coming back. You know, way back in 2005, six, you know, the, the Ottawa Senators were the best team in hockey. Dominic Kasich was our goaltender. He got injured at the Olympics and it, you know, basically derailed their season. So 
you know, something like that could change how this looks. And so I, I think this will evolve and change, but I'm comfortable with 10 contenders at this point in time. And it'll be nice to compare, say in a month or two's time, like who, who dropped out, who, who went in, why, uh, you know, this is, this is a nice sort of, I guess, benchmark to start somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad I wrote these teams down because when it comes time for us to, uh, and sorry if the lighting makes it seem a little weird here, but, uh, when it comes time, we could always revisit that list. Um, Don't lose before- that notebook brother. No, I will never lose this notebook. Uh, this is one of the, uh, I had this when I was briefly at like the CBC for like two months. I right. had a whole stack of these. And like one of the last things I did before I left, I like went into like one of the like supply closets and like nabbed like a bunch of them actually. So I've got a bunch of these for days. So thank you, CBC for giving me a bunch of uh, notebooks so I can write down everything I want. I feel like you just um, told on yeah. yourself, like you just, you just robbed them of their supplies on the way out the door. What's the CBC going to do? They're not going to do anything. What are they going to do to me? I don't know. Be careful, man. They're not, not going to do anything to me. I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, I'm not going to get a call from CBC Montreal being like, Hey, give us our notebooks back. Maybe yeah, you're going to get a bill in the mail for like 25 bucks, like a lawyer's note or something. Oh no. $25. No. Shout out to everyone at CBC Montreal. I had a really great time working there for all of two months. Uh, and if it wasn't for that, if it legit, if it really wasn't for that opportunity working at CBC Montreal out of university, I really don't know where my life would have gone because, uh, yeah, I really don't know. Anyway, um, before we wrap up here, uh, stick taps, it is Thursday. We try to give a stick tap to somebody. Uh, CJ, you have one. Uh, I'd like for you to present your stick tap. I'm going with the TNT broadcast, Julian. And, you know, I don't know how many of our our listeners or viewers would have seen this, but, you know, Wednesday night they did the Leafs-Kings game from Staples Center. And I just think these guys are making it fun. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to see hockey a little bit or, or a big entity in this case in hockey. It's one of the league's new national U.S. TV partners embracing the fun of the game. And like they have Austin Matthews mic'd up in the pregame warmup. They're doing an interview from the desk with him. Like, you know, Paul Bissonette's asking him questions. Rick Tockett's asking questions. Henrik Lundqvist. Like Rick Tockett asked Austin Matthews during warmup, what his three favorite restaurants in Scottsdale are? And he answered and was like laughing about it. Like it just, let's face it. Every game in a season where each team plays 82, the the game doesn't sell itself in a sense. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to pull out storylines and, and, and characters and, and have a little fun. You know, you have Henrik Lundqvist there playing the guitar. Uh, Nothing else matters at the intermission and all this guy singing like a little Metallica. Like I, I just love the kind of the spirit they're bringing to it and, and the light nature they're having it. You know, I have no doubt when we get to the playoffs, it's not going to be that, but I, I feel like they're, they're striking the right tone earlier this year. And I, and I just want to shout them out. Cause you know, I try, I've been trying to watch some of the U S uh, broadcasts when I have that ability to, and you know, that was one I really enjoyed like that. It was just, they had Matthews mic'd up and he scored a goal and he's like, I love you, Johnny to John. Like again, <laughs> I get that they're maybe not like reinventing or revolutionizing the genre, but I do think that they're just bringing the right spirit to it. And, and I want to see more of that from, from all the broadcasters. Shout out to uh, Liam McHugh, who leads that broadcast, also a Syracuse alum. You, you may remember him from his time at NBC, since moved on to TNT as part of the He used to host a Tour NHL de France back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where I first saw him. He would be, uh, he was picked up by one of the Canadian carriers, like he was the international feed or whatever, hosting Tour de France coverage in the summer. And I always thought he did a great job there, too. 
shout out Liam McHugh, man. Just, I mean, look, he's a Syracuse alum. So I'm, I'm not surprised that uh, he's doing himself a pretty good you. job. You got David Amber, you got Liam McHugh. Like you're just surrounded hey, by greatness, brother. Syracuse, man. That's, that's, I mean, I, I, I love Concordia. That is my undergrad university close to my heart forever. But when you get to go to a school like Syracuse university, man, like that's, that's life-changing. That's literally life-changing, man. That's, you're built different when you it's go the real to Syracuse thing. University. It's the real thing. Um, my stick tap actually is going to be more in-house. Uh, I'm going to give it to our producer, Jesse, Jesse Blake, who has been hosting these amazing Twitch streams where he found a way to rebuild the Buffalo Sabres and turn them not into a team that can make the playoffs, but into a Stanley Cup finalist. Uh, I've been watching some of the, uh, the Twitch streams. He has some of them that show up on YouTube. YouTube as well after the fact uh, right now, because the Buffalo Sabres in the Stanley cup final uh, against Chicago, I believe they have a three, two series lead. And on Friday, this is going to kind of serve as some promo here on Friday, he will be streaming uh, game six of the series. Hopefully there won't be a need for game seven, but he'll have that too on that night. Uh, and you can the watch champagne that on- will be on ice, but oh, yes. to Blake, like it'll be ready. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll have the link somewhere in the description, but uh, it will be on the uh, the SDPN Twitch stream. Uh, subscribe to that if you haven't already done so. And keep it, keep it on your calendars for Friday, everybody. Jesse Blake and the Buffalo Sabres uh, going for a Stanley Cup, of course, on NHL 22. But still, uh, Jesse Blake just rebuilding this team from the ground up. And, and finding a way to to have guys like Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond. Joel Edmonton's on that team. Matthew Kachuk is there. Uh, Tim Stutzla is on the team, but I believe I'm, he is injured for the rest of the postseason. I'm just stunned that he did this after getting his head coach, Jason Spezza, fired midseason. Yeah. So, I mean, it's too bad. Jason Spezza, I would have thought, would be a perfect coach for that kind of team. But they've, they've found their, their footing, I guess, after Jesse Gastum. Yeah, just shame for Jason Spezza. But hey, the Buffalo Sabres, they found a way to make it work regardless. So yeah, Friday, um, the SDPN Twitch stream. Be sure to check out Jesse Blake and the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, And by the way, for all the games of the Stanley Cup final, he's actually been like playing them out. Well, I mean, he doesn't actually play them. He just lets both CPUs play against each other. But uh, yeah, it's really, it's fun. It can get very tense at different moments, but uh, it's a really fun time. And uh, for everyone watching, I implore you to check out the stream. And uh, with that, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Chris Johnston Show. Subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page. Uh, Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and even The Athletic too. And also be sure to check out CJ's work at the Toronto Star with the Inside the NHL column. I think that's all the housekeeping I need to do. We already talked about how we're going to, we're getting our butts to Coburg earlier this week. Uh, I'm not. Let me say this, man. It's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you, Julian. I'm thankful for you. Thankful for you too, buddy. Uh, Send my regards to Pierre and everyone else uh, at the hangout spot. When you guys watch the Dallas Cowboys for CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. Go Cowboys. The Chris Johnson show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK McKenzie.